Hey everyone, and welcome back to Above Board with Canderpath. If you've noticed lately, we have been joined by a number of guests to the show, sharing their journey, their passion, their life stories. Uh, today, we are honored to keep the momentum going by having Mr. Scott Dixon to the show. For those of you that don't know Scott, let me start by saying he is a total renaissance man. He's been in the marketing industry for over 25 years. He's helped build or launch brands like Aquatica Orlando, SeaWorld Orlando, Hilton Grand Vacations, Southwest Airlines, and many more. Um, much of his career has been in the brand marketing space, but for the last five years and counting, he has also served many as a voiceover actor. And I'm excited about today for a ton of reasons, Scott, but I'm not even going to lie. One of, the, one of the big things I'm looking forward to is just hearing your smooth talking voice for the next half hour or so. So thanks for being on the show, man. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate that's, that. That's awesome. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to have you. And I think, you know, we can, we can maybe talk about some marketing stuff. I think we're going to get into all kinds of topics, but I want to jump right into something. Because this caught my attention, I thought it was such a provocative statement, um, and and you had—I don't know if you coined this or then I said it and echoed it—but you're the marketer that hates social media. What does that even mean? <laughs> what does that mean? Oh man, great way to just jump into the show. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it, it's it's I I don't have a a I have a love hate relationship with social media. You know, being a marketer. Um, you understand how to use social media and how to integrate it into your strategies. Um, but, uh, you know, social media also has has its, its bad sides. There's a lot of misinformation. There's a lot of things that are going on out there. People can, are just saying anything and everything. And it causes a lot of confusion, a lot of um, misinformation that's take it at, taken as real information. And yeah the the ground of of trying to understand what's right and what's not um has gotten a little bit wobbly in, sure. in some circumstances i mean even even to the point of um yeah it's cool there's steph curry shows steph curry shooting a, a video where he's hitting like five in a row three point shots you know, I'm a huge basketball fan so i'm watching all this basketball stuff and you see steph curry but steph curry is such a great shooter that you actually in your mind are just like, man, dude just hit five in a row from full court, basically just heaving it with one, like one hand down the court. And because he's so good, there's that believability factor that kind of creeps in that you're like, man, maybe he actually did this. And he sprints off the court. And then next thing you know, day or two later, he's like, ah, no, it was, it was edited. We faked it and everything else. So everything can look so real and present itself as it's not. Um, Have you seen the video where they like the behind the scenes of how they edit those shots? No, it's no. the most wild thing. I, I I'll have to send it to you. There, it's a it's a guy on like a zip line, and he's in a green screen suit, and they throw the ball. He catches the ball and then zip lines to the hoop and then drops it in. Are like you the serious? ones where you see like they throw it like basically across like the entire court and stuff like that. It's wild. Man, I've never, ever seen that before. I guess I should have looked it up, you know, quite honestly. Yeah. And I try to pride myself on being a marketer and being able to say that's real and that's not. But there's some great stuff that's out there, man. I mean, yeah. my, my something you'll find probably entertaining is I know there's a saying that perception is reality. 
And I hate that saying. I mm -hmm. absolutely despise it. I mean, hate's a very strong word, but I absolutely despise it because to me, reality is reality. And that's where we are right now. I mean, so many things can be easily manipulated that sometimes you just start blurring those lines. So, you know, sorry marketers out there. I understand that there's a good use for social media. I understand how to use it. I think it's actually, you know, has a lot of positives and connecting people throughout the world. But there's there's a there's a handle that we have to get on it somehow. But uh, it, it makes it so a little true. bit difficult. It has its dangers. And I think um, so last week we had uh, Jen, Jen Hamilton on the show. Um, she's a keynote speaker. Uh, she's a social media influencer. And one of the, the quotes that I pulled from that show that I loved so much was she coined it curated perfection. You know, we, we make up, you know, we, we kind of, and my wife always talks about like Instagram being the, it's like a, the highlight reel of life, you know? So we curate this perfect scenario, these pictures, and we make it look like it's something other than it actually is. And we're all, you know, we're all struggling and living life and having different things going on in life, but we have this curated perfection. I think that can be dangerous too, don't you? I mean, is that one of the, re that's gotta be one of the reasons you stay away from social media as well. Yeah. You know, and, and that's actually a great, a great term for it. I mean, uh, curated perfection, that's, that's, that's perfect, quite honestly. And that's probably is part of the reason I, I just, you know, there's, there's just a, a realness that comes along to life that people want to have or strive to have. And I just, I don't, I, I try not to project that some, I try to project as much realness and authenticity as possible. And yeah. being a voice actor, that's part of who you are. Your authenticity is what makes you different from other people. It's you. People say it's the, it's your voice. Oh, you have this great voice and, and things like that. It's called voice acting for, for a reason. But within every actor, there's authenticity of that person that comes out and whether it's reading the lines or what have you. And that's really what you're trying to deliver authenticity of the character or yourself in every read or everything that you're doing. Scott, when did you discover that voice acting was something that you wanted to do? Cause I mean, now I I've known you for the last several years and ever since I've known you, I've always thought how, how, how amazing you are at it. And I've heard some of your samples and, and we'll talk about your website later, but how did you even get into that field? Well, a long, long time ago <laughs> in a galaxy far, far away. Um, you know, what's, what's funny is what motivated me, um, 1992 I was at Flagler College and I was taking a a advertising class and Flagler had just launched its um, WFCF radio is Flagler College radio and my professor was trying to get me to be on the radio station I want your voice I want your voice and I just couldn't do it because of my schedule so during his class he had us make a commercial and we made a commercial probably a group of four or five of us and our commercial, this is back when you had to use reels, everything wasn't computerized. So you had to like splice the, you know, actually cut the tape and tape it back together in the exact spot and type it and, and, and just move the reel. So it would go, you know, and um, we made a commercial called Mogison's Hot Sauce. And it was named after one of our classmates who was a tennis player from Germany, I believe, or Sweden. And uh, Mike Mogison, I think was his name. And we called it Mogison's Hot Sauce. And um, I remember coming up with this stupid voice. 
Um, and it was an impersonation of a really bad impersonation of Randy Macho Man Savage. And, and so I was Mogison's hot sauce, baby. The real Southern style that drives you wild. And we wrote out this whole script and the professor gave us a B on it. And he said it was great. And we were like, why did we get a B on it? He said, because I don't believe in giving A's. Oof. I almost lost it because he, in his mind, he's thinking, if you're an A, that means you've already perfected it. You, you, there's nothing that you've done wrong, you know, he's, but he's, he gave us a B and I'm like, what's up with that, man? You know, we, we worked our butts off for an A. We deserved an A. You just told us basically, but it's just because you don't believe it. So there was that incident. But then also I, you know, most people think voice acting is all about impersonations and it's not, uh, that's just one kind of genre within it. Uh, but I, I, you know, being a kid growing up on Saturday morning cartoons, Scooby-Doo or after school cartoons around three o'clock, you get out, you sit in front of the television um, and you had all these cartoon lineups, whether it was Super Friends, but Scooby-Doo was my man. And uh, I grew up impersonating, impersonating Scooby-Doo all the time. And um, one day, fast forward to, I think it was around 2015, I was not happy in my job. And I needed a lift, something a little bit more creative. And I was always thinking about starting a business and I didn't know what business I wanted to start. And then all of a sudden it dawned on me, voice acting. So I started taking voice acting lessons just to get some creative juices back. And um, my coach was is brilliant, uh, Linda Nunez, and she turned around and um, and and created this demo for me. And then I realized, wait a second, I can. This is a a business I can have. I can actually do this. So I started creeping into it. But I realized it's a marathon. It's it's not a. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. So you keep on building and building and and gaining a reputation and earning clients and earning trust. So that's how I got into it. That's incredible. So from from 1992, watching cartoons after school all the way to 2015 to then like rediscover the passion of, hey, I, I liked doing this when I was younger and I happen to have a good skill set at it. And now I'm going to do this professionally. I think that's so cool. I have a I have a question, um, and we didn't we didn't talk about this in the pre call, so I hate to I hate to throw this on you, but I'm curious do do you do public speaking as well, or is I it have only done voice public acting? Speaking. Okay, I've, I've done a lot of public speaking, and uh, my dad, who was a, a police officer in Kissimmee for many many years, um, he was the dad. He was he was the guy who would go around to all the schools and he would do crime prevention. He would talk about the dare program. He was a very, very public figure. And he had that gift of gab where he would just get on stage and just talk. And he, he would do public speaking. And I guess I kind of got a little bit of that from him. Uh, and I've done public speaking, whether it's, you know, schools starting in, I think I was probably public speaking in high school. Um, and and just talking to other elementary schools, whether it's about sports and playing basketball, um, I've never really shied away from the stage um, mm -hmm. in, in that regard. Uh, but I have done public speaking. I've actually even hosted um, uh, or was the the MC for for a show at Dr. Phyllis Performing Center about a year and cool. a half ago, um, which was fun and, and really different. Uh, as well, a lot of improvisation that came into that, um, and uh, being on your toes when something goes left instead of right, 
So yeah, that's yeah. a really that well, and one of the reasons I ask. I mean, that's a that's a really hard skill to acquire that I don't know. Like being on your toes when something goes awry, I, I almost feel like you just have to experience it enough times to feel comfortable in that situation. Maybe, mm-hmm. um, and I, I, you, you did mention your father. I, I, for, I had forgotten about that. I think that that's really important. I, I, this past weekend had to give a speech, and my kids were there. And at the time, I didn't think much of the fact that they were there present listening to it. But then afterwards, my daughter came up and she's like, "Daddy, you did so good," you know, and. And my wife said that was really that was really awesome for the kids to see you in that light. And um, on a on a different note, which we'll talk about this in a little bit, but I I had coached her softball team last year, right? And I don't know what it was about having to give like a, a talk to like thirteen, five, and six year old girls that made me more <laughs> nervous. That made me more nervous because that's not an audience that I'm used to talking to, right? Um, but I do think it must have been really powerful for you growing up to see your father give public uh, speeches and and talk with the community and be connected to the community in that way and clearly had its impact on you. And I think as a parent today, those aren't even things that I, I, I realized until recently, even this past weekend when my wife was like, it was really good that the kids were there to hear you say that. Yeah. Yeah, that, you know, it's it's funny because you don't realize how much kids actually take in and your wife realizing, you know, you're on stage and you're doing this. You're not realizing you're in the moment, but your wife's in the moment, but she's experiencing a different moment via via the kids, your kids. And like, wow, this is so good for them to hear that. And and I'm sure that's exactly how my mom felt in and with my brother and I going to all these different events and my dad being in the community, that's just what I grew up with. And it be kind of, it kind of becomes natural. And yeah. um, it'll be interesting to see how much of your kids absorb that as they grow and they expand and, and, and become like great, great citizens, like where they gravitate towards. And it, it's, it's, I, I think it's great. I think it's great. The more exposure that they have to things like that, um, remembering those days of of you know their dad coaching youth softball or or any kind of sport um it will stick with them it will stick with them they'll just absorb it well i I hope so i gotta tell you it was really nerve-wracking that whole season i'm like making the lineup card and making sure that everyone gets their playing time and i don't think people (laughs) realize the stress that goes into it we're talking five and six year olds which is funny because we we had joked about that before i mean it's funny to think about but um, you know, sometimes, uh, parents that aren't doing it have a different perception of that. And then they ask you to do certain things that you're not comfortable with as the coach, you know, put my kid at lead off, or I want my kid at first base, whatever. Um, how has that gone for you? Because, and well, let's talk a little bit about your family. So you have, um, you have children and you are a youth basketball coach for your kid's basketball team, right? Yes. Yes. I've been coaching basketball. Um, I played basketball at Flagler. Then after graduating at Flagler, living in St. Augustine for a little bit, um, I immediately started coaching youth basketball through a rec league. A buddy of mine said, I know nothing about basketball. I'm a I'm a soccer player. And he was my college roommate. And he said, Scott, you, you want to coach with me? Yeah. And he got me hooked on it. And I've coached youth basketball uh, all the way throughout almost anywhere that I've lived for the most part. Um and coach uh, YBOA here in Orlando, and then now uh, helping to assist uh, the AA, my, my son's AAU team. He's 14, um, and uh, 
assist with that team. Shout out to the Lake Nona Eclipse. There you go. So all right, um, but uh, great people, great great AAU team. So it's fun. I, I love it. Do you? So you've been doing this for a long time. I I had never like I played sports growing up, um, and I know like the importance and the role of a of a of a coach of a mentor figure. Um, do you find that there's it's got to be really fun for you now? Fast forward, you know, having children and then being able to coach your kids. Do you find do you do you enjoy that, or do you feel like there's a different level of of stress being like the the parent coach? Man, you know, it's it's funny. I I try not to be. It's a fine line, you know, being that parent coach. It's it's tough. It, it's it's harder when you know the sport also. Um, and uh, I guess my mouth has gotten too big sometimes sitting on the sidelines, and they're like, "You want to coach? Help us Listen, out." You, you got know? that. You got a great voice, you know. Man. I mean, you might as well. You might as well exercise it. <laughs> and my voice needs to be used for something else, man. I told my I told the team this. I said, "Listen." I have voice acting I have to do. I can't be out here screaming at you all to do the same thing over and over and over again. I need my voice. So can we do that? And they're like, you do voice acting? Yeah. I'm like, yes, but that's not my point, man. You know, my point is just do what I'm asking you to do. Just do what I'm asking you to do. But um, it, it, it's funny because I, I, I do enjoy it. I mean, my son's asked me to coach. Um, it's a, I guess it's a hidden passion of mine. Uh, my brother's a coach uh, for basketball as well. My dad was a football coach um, in New Jersey growing up. It, it's just, it, it's always been there. And uh, it's a fine line to walk, being a parent sitting in the stands. And then all of a sudden you turn around, you don't want to be that parent, you know, uh, but everybody wants the best for their kids. And mm-hmm. um I, I say, thank goodness I was in sports because at least I could realize sometimes, you know, what the capabilities of my kids were and what they weren't and what they needed to work on. And so I tried to really like balance that. My wife, she was a swimmer. So she was, she understands all that also. So um, she's much, much, much smarter than I am. So um, mm-hmm. she could temper me and keep me in check. What uh, I'm curious, just because we're kind of going down this rabbit hole, what is like the if you had to think of like one or two really good lessons that you'd want your kids to learn from you being a coach? Have you ever thought of it that from that point of view before? You know, uh, gosh, narrowing it down to one or two lessons is is difficult. But the first one is is adversity. You know that that how to deal with adversity. Everybody talks about the physical aspect of game of any game, but there's a mental aspect of, of, of the game also. And, and a mental, I, I don't know, mindset is what I want to say. I don't want to say toughness, but just a mental mindset to approaching the games and, and, and anything that you do um, and going in with the right attitude, playing with the right attitude, preparing with the right attitude. Um, I mean, whether it's through meditation and, and envisioning your your kid having or not not as a parent, but I'm saying having your son. We would even have our son every once in a while because he is a basketball junkie. But a long time ago, he would he's worrying about playing, but to calm him, we would do meditation apps and have him close his eyes and envisioning him having the perfect dribble, the perfect shot. So there's mental preparation. But then the other part of it to me is uh, you know within that mental preparation of um, just being prepared 
for 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 what you're about to do um being prepared for what comes at you in the game and that's the adversity side of it and you know not everything has always been peaches and cream not every kid's gonna start not every kid's the best player and when you start working through rec league especially on the aau where it becomes much more competitive and the playing time not every kid's gonna get equal amount of playing time um and you know you have to have those conversations with your kids sometimes about okay you may not be as good as this player or and that's all right or hey you're competing um here's how to work hard if you want to start or if you want to not come off the bench or or whatever especially in the AAU scene you have to set goals for yourself and then break those goals down into smaller goals and start working on it to achieve it what do you have to do what kind of time do you have to commit do you have to mm -hmm. go shoot more on the backyard do you have to do dribbles around the block what are those things that you can do to affect your situation in the future and hopefully you'll reach your goal of being able to start or whatever it is, whatever it is That's and great. teaching them to deal with adversity. Cause that, cause I mean, that translates to so many, to every area of your life. I mean, I think the stat is something like a half of a percent of athletes become professional in that sport. Right. And so of course the likelihood of that is low, but those lessons that they take away from that, I think are so, so critical. And I know you care so much as a parent um, and you're, you're a very involved parent. So I was curious at that point of view. I, when I started coaching, it was sort of just, it was brought up because my daughter said, Hey, I'd like to play softball, but only if you coach dad, I said, cool, I can be an assistant coach, you know, cool, right. easy. Yeah. And then I come to find out they don't have enough coaches. Will you be the head coach? Sure. I have no idea what I'm doing. You what got the, roped in. One, That's one, how it works. 100%. That's typical <laughs> scam. <laughs> 100%. And I was the whole time I was so gullible about it. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. Like, sure. It's, and like, it's easy, man. Don't worry about it. It's going to be great. And then like the first couple of games, I'm like, yo, these parents are, are tough. Yeah, um, man. And, and, you know, it was interesting. I When we started it, I thought this would be really good. From a team sports aspect, it'll be really good to kind of like understand how to operate as a team um, and and maybe develop some level of competitiveness. Right. You know, she's only she was only five when she started, but I thought this would be cool, like just to develop a sense of wanting to win or whatever, do well or whatever. Yeah. And like within the first practice, I deviated from that plan because I saw I saw like the competitive competitiveness of the parents. And I thought, well, that's not what I want to still in my kids. I'll give you a really quick example. Um, in practice, one of the practices we're doing, the daughter keeps getting yelled at by the father because she's missing. And for whatever reason at this age, I don't know why it's, it's not T-ball and softball. You, you throw the ball to him. Oh, and okay. so she kept missing and he comes on the field, grabs her bat, you know, hands over her hands and swings for her and does it. And I'm like, that's not, that's not the lesson. I don't yeah. think that's the lesson there. And so I just quickly shifted. It was literally first practice in. I'm like, okay, new goals. Like, what are my goals to come out of this? And I thought, you know, developing maybe a sense of leadership for my daughter, getting a sense of like, maybe seeing dad coach, empower her or some of the other kids to take leadership roles on the team. And I know this sounds silly, but this is the age that we're at, was just literally have enough fun 
at the practice that we are presently at or at the game that we are presently at to want to come back the next game or practice. Yes, that's that's key. That is huge. You know, because at that, like, I get when you're 14, 15, 16, it's different. The level of competitiveness is is there at five or six. It's like you might not, they might not even want to come next week. But if, you know what, though? I mean, even at five or six or at 14 or at 29, if you're not having fun doing what you do, that throws everything off. I mean, just yeah. probably about a week ago at an AAU basketball tournament. Um, our team ended up winning the tournament, but at some point during the tournament, our coaches had separated because we have several, several teams and I joined the team late and I looked at the score and I thought, man, what's going on? You guys are kind of imploding. You, you should be, you know, you should be up a, a little bit more. We had just played this team not too long ago. And I just said, listen, fellas, man, play free, have fun. Mm. Uh, you know, like you're in the playground, the no look passes. I was even telling some team, some team members, I said, listen, you always play with a smile on your face. I haven't seen a smile from you. What's what's going on? You know, and trying to take that pressure off of them to say, this is a game. Enjoy what you're doing. Don't put so much pressure on yourself. And eventually all the pressure started lifting off and they started playing better. And so that concept of fun, whether you're five or whether you're, um, you know, 14 or whether you're LeBron James at 35, who just broke the record for Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's record last night, you know, saw that yep. if you're not having fun anymore and you are able to physically play the game, you just might want to think about not playing if that's the case. It's a game. There are so many other things that are going on. Enjoy these moments. Yeah. And I try to get them to understand the concept of living in the moment, which is hard, really hard. And telling them, listen, you made a mistake on the basketball court. So what? It's over. You can't go back in time and change it. You know, um, so let's worry about what you can do now. And then you hear about, well, what if such and such happens? Well, what if hasn't happened yet? So you're mm -hmm. worried about the future. Don't worry about that part. Worry about what you can do now. And whatever you do now, if you do it positively with the right attitude, the right energy, it will affect what's going to happen in the future positively. Gosh, and that concept it. of living in the moment is so hard for everyone. I, it's hard for me. And people worry, worry, worry. Um, but if I can get that in their heads a little bit now, just through little life lessons, through sports or what have you, mm -hmm. um, they'll be better off for it down the road when they have those, you know, when they face adversity. So, well, I think you, I think you lead by example and um, it, from the outside looking in, I think you do do such a good job at it, even though you said that it's hard for you. How does somebody balance, you know, cause a couple of things that, that came up for me in this conversation. So, you know, trying to live in the moment, enjoy what you do, but then also be prepared to deal with and handle adversity. Like I, I think about in my life, like there are, there are many aspects of the work that I do that I'm, I absolutely, I'm on fire about. I love it. I'm passionate about it. I've had others tell me like, I can tell how passionate you are because that enthusiasm just kind of pours through. You but are. at the same time, I use this podcast as a great example. The first probably dozen episodes please don't go back and listen to them. They're terrible. 
they're not, you know, they're, I'm nervous. My voice is shaky. And, but, and I know like, this is fun and I'm kind of enjoying it, but I'm also dealing with the nerves or the adversity of like, I just need to push through this. Um, what, what advice would you give to somebody to, to kind of wrap all those things together or, or how you do that? Maybe how you apply that in voice acting and, and public speaking. Cause certainly like, even though you are like the, the final presentation or hearing your voice acting, like the things I've heard from you, it's so polished. It's so good. But I know there's a lot of reps there. I know there's a lot of work there and there's adversity to get through that. How do you deal with a situation? Like maybe it's a public speaking event. It comes out great, but you had the nerves going into it. Um, oh, I know man. that's kind of a big loaded question that I just threw at you, but well, what are your you thoughts? Know, it, it's, it's hard because I'm not going to sit there and act like I, I'm, I'm, I'm perfect. I mean, I, if I were to self-analyze myself um, and I've had this conversation with a great friend of mine. Um, and one of the things that naturally comes to me is I'm risk adverse. Um, and, and sometimes I'm a little bit too much of a, of a perfectionist in some situations. Um, and, and so the way I go about things sometimes can be a detriment. I just have to have an awareness of when it's happening. Um, and sometimes you just have to kind of get that self-talk right. Yeah. And, and try to stand fear on its head where if you're going into a situation and you're, and you're, you're fearful of it, granted that it's a situation and opportunity for growth. If you're uncomfortable that that's okay. You have to have that self-talk and tell yourself that it's okay mm -hmm. because what you're experiencing is is actually growth and the more that you do it the more you become comfortable with it people naturally gravitate towards things that they're naturally good at um and and like public speaking it's no problem if you were to give me a topic that i felt comfortable with um i would hop on a stage right now i'm just comfortable with it it's just you know and that's one of the biggest fears that people have in this world is getting in front of people and, and speaking i i'm not one of those people um, yeah. but I do have fears of other things and, and you have to just have some positive self-talk and, and really know that those, those, that uncomfortable nervousness that you're feeling is an opportunity for growth. And the more you do it, the more you'll get better and better and better at it. You know, it may be like a bicycle change. The, ana the analogy I use is like, you're riding a bike back in the day, you're riding a bike and and you're riding and all of a sudden the chain skips and it's like it falls off for a moment, but then it, it gets back on. And then you, and then eventually the chain stops skipping a little bit, the more you get into rhythm and then it smooths out. Um, that. That's the way you have to look at it. And it's it's again, it goes back to mindset, um, which, again, I struggle with sometimes. It's just natural um and you just work on that part as well of trying to create a positive mindset and realizing um that what you're doing is growing any job a new job that you're taking if you step into a new job and you know it all and do it all something's wrong there <laughs> there should be some growth that's there i shouldn't be able to step into a job and just feel like okay this 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 and this um especially if it's new to me if I should be challenged in some way. That's what you mm -hmm. want. You want to be challenged a little bit. You want to grow and stretch in other ways. Um, and so you need to be able to reach 
a little bit and know that you still have opportunity to grow. Um, and if that fear is there, sometimes you need to run towards it. And, 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 and that's tough. That's tough. That's really tough for me. That's really tough for me. So, uh, did you know we were going to get this deep today on the show? Man, goodness. <laughs> no, no, I need a couch. <laughs> one, of the, <laughs> one of the things, well, I, I asked some of these questions cause I, I'm sure some of the listeners want to know the answer to it, but uh, selfishly I'm asking to, you know, for my own sake, um, in the realm of public speaking or podcasting or whatever, and something we actually did a podcast about this. I think the title was Progress Over Perfection. Mm-hmm. And that's something we talk a lot, even just like internally with our team at our company. Um, you know, I, I would say a bit of a perfectionist as well. So identify with I, I identify with that statement that you made. Um, you know, I you know, I want to take the perfect stride. I think the analogy I kind of use now is like forget taking the perfect stride in the right direction, just take a step. Like just mm-hmm. move forward, just take the step one step at a time to get to that point. And, I, and I've learned too, like, so this will be episode 67 or something like that um, of the podcast. And it's, right. it's, it has gotten better, literally just by virtue of, of putting the reps in and doing the time. And so, um, you know, it's easy to get in your own head about making something very, very perfect. And, you know, that, that's something I have to remind myself all the time is just focus on the progress, just focus on making that step. Um, Scott, man, thank you so much for, for sharing your story and being on our show. Um, I was really very much looking forward to this conversation uh, with yes. a lot of anticipation and you lived up to it and then some. Uh, before <laughs> I, before I let you go, a um, couple questions, any, any final parting thoughts and, and also because this is a very important one. How can listeners find you? Since you're the marketer that hates social media, how do we how do we find you? <laughs> I'm going to be branded that way now. It's going to be a tough one to overcome. But, uh, you know, you can find me on www.scott at scottdixonvoiceover.com. So if you go to www.scottdixonvoiceover.com, that's my website where you can uh, see my demo. Uh, or listen to my demo, actually. And, um, you know, quite honestly, uh, I guess my parting shot is 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 really everything. Everything really happens for a reason. Um, and there's so much that's going on. Uh, and and you have to recognize these opportunities. I always say, you know, since I say everything happens for a reason. And if you're lucky enough and you're paying attention, you'll find out the reason why. And you mm. may not know the reason why immediately but maybe a little bit later a little bit later on you'll come to understand this is why that happened um and those are the moments that i that i that i love the most you know i i love being able to capture those those little moments and realize oh man maybe this is why this happened or this is what yeah. led up to it and um that's what makes it fun that's what I, that's what makes it fun I, and that kind of takes the load off of my back to realize you know what it helps me get through that adversity. It really helps a lot. So I love that. Just chock full of wisdom. And you, you had shared that with me um, in a in a previous conversation. So it's good to hear you echo that again. I just, I love that. So again, yeah. scottdixonvoiceover.com. Uh, we'll tag that in the show notes for you, Scott, as well. But uh, hey, everyone, as always, thank you for listening to Above Board with Candor Path. Uh, we love these conversations and we love our listeners. If you'd like more bite-sized chunks of these types of discussions, head over to candorpath365.com. 
uh, where you can listen to uh, you know one one minute to ninety second update, market updates, short clips, clips like this with Scott and I today on your Amazon Alexa. So we hope you have a great day, and we'll see you next week. See ya.